0: Yeah. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Sweat, Connect and Grow podcast. My name is Spencer Sullivan. And I'm Jordan Simon. Today we're here to introduce you to some of the people in our community that build up through their work, engagement and initiatives.
1: Today we have Momo in studio. She is a former 2011 Brampton Cup Senior Novice Female Masters Boxing Champion. She
0: is an RMT for several organizations and the Toronto Blue Jays. We're so excited to have today's guest and one of Briar Hill's own ambassadors, Melissa Doldrin, AKA Momo.
1: Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I love the intro. Um, (laughs) Kicking it off with my boxing title was awesome. It's coming up on 10 years since that happened, but I'm still very proud of that accomplishment.
0: (laughs) As you should be. As you should be.
1: (laughs) It's so cool. So, So how are you today? What are you up to? Where are you? What's your life like? I'm
2: doing well. I am in Toronto in my little condo, currently enjoying a day off chatting with you beautiful people. And yeah, just I'm working, thankfully, even despite lockdown, registered massage therapists are still able to work in clinic with our clients. So that's been wonderful. Other than that, just doing a lot of running and nature walks and just trying to keep sanity going as as best I can when we can't be out doing the regular things we used to enjoy pre-COVID. <laughs>
0: yeah, Those were the days. What does a day off in, in the life of Momo look like?
2: These days, to be honest, sometimes we'll laugh or have a snarky response to people with that because I I truly am busy, but I've been recognizing since COVID the true benefits of really slowing down and really like taking my time with things. So these days I try to treat a day off like a day off to just rest. And you know, if there's little things I have to do around the house, it's fine. A lot of times I do have to catch up on administrative work. So I'll take a little bit of time for that. But I do just try to exercise, get a little movement in, nap. If I want to watch a movie in the middle of an afternoon, I get to do that. That's generally what my days off consist of. And it also does leave me open if I choose to like stay a little busier. It does leave me open to do a few side projects. So sometimes I teach classes or I'll be involved in like pop-ups or speaking engagements. And that's where my days off from clinical work
0: gives me that flexibility to do that. I certainly feel you on the naps and the movies. Maybe <laughs> not so much on the on the class teaching. What kind of classes have you been? Teaching? Um, yeah, so
2: I have. I teach. I find it hard to sometimes succinctly describe it, but these days I just try to say I teach sort of a yoga informed movement class. I was certified in a specific athletic style of yoga. I want to say four to five years ago. And it has sort of evolved from there. I started taking other types of movement classes, focusing on mobility work. Again, always to work with my active population, my runners, my cyclists that I see in clinic. I wanted another way to sort of help people because they would always ask me like, how can I stretch my hips out? What can I do? And so that sort of got me into teaching. But even more so in the last year, I've been adjusting that style even more more to include a lot more breath work and a lot more restorative style postures. Because I do realize majority of people that I see in these classes are super active. Many of them might be type A. So it's always about perform, 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 and that they're really not giving themselves that time to take it down a notch and to actually deregulate. Um, so I've been really trying to focus my classes on that and to just give people that space to be as quiet as possible and really tune in to their bodies and what they need.
0: I love that. And I think it's been such a learning point for so many of us that it is like a slow down to speed up kind of Absolutely. thing. And, and we got to give that space and that time to ourselves to really recuperate and regenerate all that energy Absolutely. that we're, we're used to spending normally, but we're going to have to find alternative ways. Exactly. Okay, Momo, I'm going to dig in a little bit here. (laughs) I want to learn a little bit more about young Momo, like where you were, where you came from. So I was born and raised in Scarborough. I
2: will rep Scarborough till I die. Love that city. When I think back, I feel like I had a really great childhood. I feel like I came from an era where when I look at friends who have kids now in school, education has shifted and changed so much. And even just the board and what is accessible for kids has has changed so much that I really feel like I lucked out in the 80s that we just had so much more access to things. So growing up, we had every sport at school. They built a rink in our field in the winter so we could skate on our lunch breaks. I just feel like there was always trips and extracurriculars that even for families who may not have had the means to maybe do that on their own time. As long as your kid was in a public school, they would have access to get involved in a whole bunch of different things. So I spent a lot of time doing art. I do have a background as an artist. And so like I would go to these Saturday morning art classes at our local high school. So it was sort of a mixture. I was outdoors a lot back then too. Parents just sort of shoved you out the door and said, come back when it gets dark out. And that was kind of (laughs) it. And you just ran around your neighborhood with other kids and just played outside all day. Come home when the street lamps turn off, Basically, right? when friends who have kids now talk about that, they're like, there's no way I'd let my kids do that. It was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my mother was born and raised in Northern Ontario. And so a lot of times we would spend summers going up to visit family. So I was exposed to outdoorsy camping, nature, hiking, all that type of stuff my whole life. So it was just, I don't know. That was kind of young Momo, just living, living a kid's dream, I guess. <laughs>
1: Living the life over there. (laughs) You said that about 10 years ago, you won your your boxing championship. What got you into boxing? You're this big nature kid. You love being outside. So
2: most people that I grew up around when they heard that I was getting involved in that sport we're all very shocked because I was a pretty quiet kid and definitely not aggressive I actually had a neighbor growing up who nicknamed me mouse because I was just so quiet and just very like docile so people were always like what you're Boxing? Couldn't believe it. But I will tell you, it was, and not to get like super dark, but there was an incident in high school with my best friend. I lived in an apartment building. And at that Mm -hmm. time, one of our neighbors, we were told this after the incident, was going through some mental health issues and was going through some Mm -hmm. distress. And there was an incident where one day after school, he was standing in the hallway. And so you just think, I don't know, maybe he was waiting for his family. And we just went to pass by him and he, grabbed me was like physically trying to accost me and pull me into his apartment my friend is screaming and freaking out and anyway from that incident nothing happened thankfully but that incident kind of made me think shit I need to know some self-defense it was thankfully nothing serious but it was at that time a traumatic incident I think I was 16 I didn't get into boxing right away because of that but it was always my friend saying we need to toughen up (laughs) And so my first year of college or university, I went to York for one year. Um, That's a whole other story. But I noticed in the Athletic Center, there was a poster up for a kickboxing class. There was like a six week series. And it literally was like, learn how to defend yourself, have fun, get fit, whatever. And that just clicked in me. It was like, oh, this is it. This is what I need to do to just sort of give myself a good basis of some self-defense and just some Mm -hmm. fitness. You know, you're in university. The whole freshman 15 kicks in. And that's honestly sort of what started my path. I took that little six-week class. It was so much fun. Our instructor was great. But when that six weeks was up, that was sort of it for that cycle. There was just always something different being offered. And that's when I started exploring actual kickboxing gyms in and around the city and so i ended up at twin dragon which i believe is still functioning in the city it's It's been around forever and i started at the one on danforth with uh sifu lu and he was awesome and then i ended up moving up to the location at young and finch i can't even to be honest remember why but that was the catalyst. Because that gym, they had a female coach, they had a ton of women who were taking the classes. That was the first time I saw sparring in a ring and saw women sparring in a ring. And I was like, Oh, my God, I need to try this. I just I had done a bit of track and field I'd run cross country, like I dabbled in things, but I wasn't ever on any crazy teams through public school or high school, I would just kind of play and have fun outside. But being involved at that kick boxing gym was just really like life changing. And the second I got to put on a headgear and put on the shin pads, it was you and your opponent. I don't know what it was. It just clicked something in me. And now what shifted from kickboxing to Olympic style boxing, it was a strange thing. Kickboxing to compete in as an amateur was actually illegal in Ontario. And I wanted to really fight. You could do pro fights, but I was 22 years old. That wasn't my goal. but I just wanted to compete. And then it was a a coworker who had mentioned, you should just try boxing because there's competitions all the time. She had known a friend or a neighbor who was involved in that. So I ended up shifting, left my kickboxing gym, as sad as that was, to switch it up and go straight into boxing. And so I trained and fought sporadically, but I did that span for maybe 10, 15 years and then sort of culminated in 2011. That was kind of, that wasn't my last fight, but that was like my last tournament where I actually ended up winning. And it was awesome. There was a lot of literal blood, sweat, and tears. Anyone who's competed at any level of sport, you just know the work that you have to put in for that small amount of time to actually perform is is incredible.
0: Something I'm really hearing in that as well is between the gyms that you've switched to was a really strong, like beautiful yes. sense of community. And I've been a member at a few different gyms where either there was mm-hmm. no sense of community and it, it didn't really like have you hook line and sinker like that what specifically was it about it in these gyms that you've frequented over the years that yeah you hooked reeled you in and kept you there until until your interest really shifted in which you were more or less forced to go to another location
2: just as you said there was just this sense even just beyond just saying a sense of community it felt like family and I don't know how one can make it similar to what you experience in a boxing gym. But I also just think the people that come through those doors and the stories they tell and the lives they've experienced, you kind of just have a lot more commonalities in specific struggles that you've been able to experience. And that when you are suffering in a, in a good way of like going through hard training, that bonds you. Sometimes when we think about maybe be just doing like a hit class you're sweating you're getting a pump and it's great and we'll high five but there's something just a little different when you're in like a combat type sport where you have to be so physical and yet still so vulnerable and mentally strong that it just i don't know there's something uh, je ne sais quoi that just you want more of it it's that burst of dopamine and you're just like yes put it in my veins everyone's there for the same reason so we're instantly like we're here to uplift each other
0: Absolutely. Touching on the community aspect, that family aspect that really had you fall in love with being there every day and literally sweating, (laughs) bleeding, crying. Was that aspect there in your career when you were getting into the art design world? And was that an influence Uh, on your decision um, to change careers as well?
2: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. I will say it was not it wasn't. My work professionally as a graphic designer, I worked for the most part in small studios. There would only be three to five people. So in that sense, it was close knit. And you're just with those same people all the time. So you do create a sense of family, you really get to know each other and are trying to handle deadlines, make sure you're getting new clients, all all of that stuff. So there is a sense of community. For me, as I moved through my career, I ended up in more corporate environments. And you just lose that a little, you know, unfortunately, it can be maybe the nature of the corporate beast. And so at the time the design world was also going through a shift to like user experience and all of that stuff there was a real pressure to move out of print they could you know you'd hear it ad nauseum, print is dead. And I just, I don't know, something about me was stubborn. And maybe it was just my artistic sensibilities of the types of art I did on the side and what I grew up with. I loved things that were tactile and to be able to see a finished product and to go only to digital didn't spark joy in me. So I kind of was in this like, I don't know, quarter life, midlife, not even midlife, but like quarter life crisis of like, what do I do? I don't love my job so much anymore in the way it's shifting me. Even if I still love the people, I just was feeling a little bit burnt out and just uninspired. I ended up being laid off from a job that I thought had serious job security. And it was a huge shock when the company did this mass layoff and I was swept up in that. And I was like, What am I going to do? And I took a short term contract, but I knew I needed to figure out what's my next step. So I actually decided to take time off. I was very lucky to have a support system. I called my mom and I just said, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. And I just asked if I could come home. And if I could just give up my apartment and not worry about rent when I didn't have a job. And she said, yes. So that definitely helped that. She
1: was like, whatever time you need, your old bedroom is still here. So that's kind of what I did. Yeah. And now you're back in Scarborough, back in mom's house. So like, how did you get to that point of the Yeah, the- so, the, the so all through world. design,
2: I was, that was sort of the height of me still also training And, and fighting as, as a boxer. So I was living downtown in Parkdale. I also had a dog, my little baby Simba, who's no longer with us, but I would go to the dog park and, you know, you make friends with other dog park parents. And there was (laughs) a woman who I'd become fairly good friends with who lived in my neighborhood. Our dogs were like best friends. And I just remember, you know, chit chatting with her about my struggles and what I was going through. It was awesome because she had been through almost the exact same thing just deciding to pivot she had always wanted to be in health and wellness as well and as it turned out she was a registered massage therapist she started talking to me and she just said you have great body awareness you're involved in athletics she's like have you ever thought of becoming a massage therapist and of course I was like no I've never thought of that (laughs) but that's what was the little light bulb it was like an idea that I never would have come to on my own so from there I just I started researching I was like what do massage therapists make what does their job situation look like are there a lot of job opportunities in the city for this I was calling places just asking to speak to RMTs to just get an idea of what business is like and then I started looking at schools it was a two-year program it would be extremely challenging and hard because at that point I'd been a designer for 13 years so to go back and remember how to step study learn science That's to go from lot. arts to science yeah. is is a huge leap but honestly it was probably the the biggest and still best risk i i've ever taken in my life i literally just jumped mm-hmm. in the deep end with both feet and just said excuse my language fuck it let's do it
1: <laughs> so you come from this art background where you've been in art 13 years and you're going into the science background it's a completely different beast what are some of the struggles that you face like what was really i mean not being good at chemistry
2: and math was was really hard (laughs) (laughs) i mean thankfully we didn't need i didn't need a lot of chemistry but i loved biology Anatomy, and so I felt once we got into class Mm with that type of stuff, like that was okay. But understanding physiology and neurology, like, and just figuring out ways for me to study and memorize things—everything old was is new again. So it was like figuring out what are my patterns of appropriate studying and just and focus, learning how to focus. I will say something about boxing that I think helped with studying, which now evolved even into what I teach and how, now that I'm practicing are things like meditation and, visu- and visualization. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um, when I was a boxer, I got into yoga and meditation and visualization while competing to help prep for tournaments and club shows. So I still tapped into that type of stuff while I was in school to sort of help with focus and studying and just trying not to stress over exams, that sort of thing.
0: Tell us a little bit about how after finishing school, going through all these different learning curves, you got a job as an RMT. What I really, really want to know about you is how did you get involved with the Toronto Blue Jays and (laughs) elaborate a little bit more on your experience with the team?
2: Honestly, it still kind of feels like a like a dream, I guess, that I was like, did this really happen? Do I really work for them? Again, it comes back to community, because this is exactly how I got to a position where I could meet someone to potentially get me an interview. So there's a wonderful, wonderful fitness coach in the city. Her name is Rachel Fakuri. And I think I'd gotten connected with her via Instagram, initially through some other sort of running groups that in the summer would host random like Like after a run, you could do like a boot camp. After a run, you could do a yoga session. And I think that's initially how I had gotten a hold of her name. And so I followed her on Instagram and I also follow her on Twitter. I have always loved baseball. I will say that up front. Baseball is my jam. It's not a sport that everybody loves, but it is one that is near and dear to my heart. So coming into being a massage therapist, my goal from the time I went to school to the time I graduated was always to somehow work in sports or work with athletes that was always the single focus for me and so of course anyone who's in the city you're like oh wouldn't it be cool to work for the jays or the leafs or the raptors then you're like well how does that actually happen how do you actually meet these people and network to find the way it is very hard Fast forward now, it was 2015, we're hitting our height of when the Jays were like crushing it. We were headed to the postseason, everyone was super stoked, it looked like everything was going to be super unbelievable, and then Marcus Stroman, during spring training, had blew his ACL out on a pitch on the mound, and everyone was devastated because we were going to be so good that year, and he decided to go back to Duke University to do his rehab. He was put with a physiotherapist to only focus on him and his rehab. Her name was Nikki Huffman. That whole year, Marcus has an incredible rehab story where he's literally six months back to competing at a high level just in time for our Postseason, He basically tells the team, listen, this physical therapist is incredible. You need to hire her. You need to bring her on staff because look at what she did for me. So they did. They hired her as a physical therapist and she came on the team. During this time, this is a long story, but we're getting there. Um no, I love it. Keep going.
0: Keep going. There were
2: also these little events around the city called pitch talks, where essentially their little tagline was like, it's like TED talks, but for sports. So they would put together these little um, speaking engagements where they would have sports journalists, 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 sometimes retired athletes come and just do like an hour round table talk. They talk about rumors, plays, what's going on. And then as those got popular, they were able to get Jays executive staff and Jays coaches to come on these pitch talks. At this time, the Jays are going through this different shift where they hired a brand new president, Mark Shapiro, new GM, Ross Atkinson. So season finale of pitch talks, they advertise that. Mark Shapiro is going to be a guest. So I'm like, oh yeah, this will be great. I'll go. So I've got all my little baseball friends and they said they were doing an open Q&A. You could write down your name, put it in a bucket, they'll randomly pick. And if your name gets picked, you can ask the president a question. Do they not pull my name out? I was like, shit, I get to ask the president a question. (laughs) Thankfully, I had written one down at the beginning of the night (laughs) so that even though I had a few beers, I could still ask an intelligent question. It was a two-parter. There was a big hype about the change that they were going to bring in for a high performance department. So I asked him how everyone was acclimating to the new idea of high performance. And then my second part was like, how do I get hired?
0: (laughs) Got to shoot that shot, Mo. Exactly, exactly.
2: And and he was like, well, uh, uh, I mean, I guess you could send an email to our director of high performance. And so I was literally like Googling. Uh, can I get that email? Who's the director? <laughs> So that was, I was just like, okay, there's there's a chance then. He's saying there's a chance. And of course, I chickened out and I did not email the director of high performance. But we come back now to Rachel Fakhoury. Following her on Twitter, she puts together these speaking events for women where she gets different people from fitness, health, wellness, and just puts on these speaking events. Who does she have for her October speaking engagement but Nikki Huffman, the Jay's physiotherapist so i was like holy shit i'm buying a ticket this is a legit chance now i bought a ticket i went to her event it was awesome nikki was incredible and they had a meet and greet after so i literally went right up to her and i was like i loved hearing about your story and you're so inspiring you know all the things you would like fangirl and say and i didn't care and i was like how do i get a job with the jays i'm like How does it happen? I don't work for an NCAA (laughs) university to happen to just meet Athletes, how does one in the city do it? And she was like, We're not hiring, but she was gracious enough that she took my business card and she's like, You know what? I'll be back in early 2017. She's like, Maybe we can have a coffee and maybe there's a way. She's like, Sometimes players like to hire massage therapists on the side to like go to their home and treat them and their wives. She's like, Maybe there's a way I could get you in through that. And I said, Amazing. Anything would be great. She was so lovely. She sent me an email a week later just to say, I haven't forgotten. It was so great chatting with you. And I was like, awesome. Fast forward to just before the end of that year, I saw on Sportsnet, there was like a news brief that the Jays executive staff was like cleaning house of the medical team. Like everyone was let go and they were rehiring a whole new squad. They had promoted her from physical therapist to the new head trainer. And at that time, she was only the second woman ever in all of MLB history to be a head trainer and the last time it was a woman named Sue Falsoni like 10 years ago for the Dodgers. So this was like huge, huge news. And I was like, Ooh, I have her email. I'm going to email her a congratulations. And so I like got in. I was like, Oh my God, I saw the news. This is so great. Congratulations. By the way, here's my resume. I'm still interested now that you're redoing all the staff. If there's a position available for me, I'm happy to chit chat more whatever. I worded it more eloquently, but you get the idea. Um, (laughs) I hit send and then just waited every day was looking at my email did she read it did she get it and she responded and basically said there might be a spot for you she's like I I have to work it out with budget but I'll see what I can do and at this point she still didn't even know anything about my professional capabilities to be honest but that following I think it was January she was back in town we had a meeting It was like our, basically our first interview. We had a coffee. We chit-chatted. She talked to me about what potential role she was, she was hoping to get. And essentially it was just going to be a part-time position, like a consulting position to work during home games. They still had a full-time massage therapist who would travel with the team, but she thought this could be a foot in the door for you and make sure that he's not bombarded. She's like, we'll work out how it happens. But then I had to interview with the director of high performance. I had to do like some massage demos and then I was hired. That's how I got the gig so it was really twitter community just trying to keep engaged with things i don't know i feel like it was like a once in a lifetime kind of Those opportunities don't just materialize, but when you want it bad enough, you just find a way, I guess, to make it happen. That sounds so corny,
0: but... At the same time, don't sell yourself short there. I I feel like there's so much talk these days about manifesting things and putting energy out in the world to try and get what you want. Yeah. And you didn't just put the energy out into the world. You physically bought a ticket and you went there and you made it happen for yourself. So I think that's something to really hold close to you and you knew what you wanted and you went to go find it. You used your resources around you and you put it into the world. It came back to you. So I think that's such... incredible story so blue jays is like the tip of the proverbial mountain i suppose (laughs) could you tell us a little bit more about those building blocks of getting to that point did you ever get involved with doing some like stretch therapy massage therapy at multiple running races i understand that you've run i believe four half marathons yeah
2: honestly as i said coming into massage therapy as a second career gave me an insane amount of focus because i was like i don't have time to fuck around (laughs) i need to achieve my goals and do it kind of quickly because i'm already in my 30s. So, you know, when you're changing your life at 33, 34 years old, you just feel like there's always this impending, like, I'm starting over. So I think just having insane focus really helped propel me to do what I'm doing and to be where I am. So out of school, immediately put myself in a position to connect with the Canadian Sport Massage Therapy Association. Any courses they had, any yearly AGM and conferences they held, I tried to attend, to network, to connect with massage therapists who have been working in sport. I've been so, so super lucky to work for two incredible clinics in the city where I learned so much. But again, those are the the pathways. Is to like finding out about other things so through the, the the canadian sport massage therapy association i met a mentor of mine her name is danielle young chow she's the current rmt for athletics canada she works with all of canada's best track and field athletes and she's amazing and so i was constantly asking her all kinds of stuff of like how did you get that and how did and what was that experience like and and it's just mentorship is invaluable and it can be hard it's like twofold we're in a service industry so it's A lot of times when we're not working, we're trying to recharge and it's hard to constantly give, give, give. So I do find when you can find mentors, they're so valuable and you really do just like clutch them so close to you. But I've been pretty lucky in finding some really incredible people to to share their experiences and to give me tips, you know, and just also to remind me about, even though I want to achieve the maximum things in the short amount of time, to be patient. (laughs) And that I still have to learn and grow and make mistakes, like we all do. That was kind of a big part of of what has influenced me through through my careers. Just aligning myself with the right mentors and surrounding myself with the right people, and just this field. I mean, it can be said for any, but especially when you're in a evidence based practice, the quest for learning never ends. Even things I learned in school through different research now, we're sort of having to unlearn things, relearn new things. So we're just forever students. I think that helps. There's no end. So there is no real peak. I mean, yeah, you're just constantly growing and learning.
0: So I've heard so much throughout your journey here about essentially becoming a master of pivot and adapt. Let's rewind 12 months, 2020 hits, that was the year of adapting and pivoting. Yep. Did you feel that your work experience and your life experience leading up to this bizarre event prepared you to be successful throughout the year?
2: Ooh. Um, now that I can reflect on it, yes. And I'll tell you why. 2019 rocked me to my core. August 31st, 2019, my mother passed away. And that was... um. Yeah, like, there's there's no words of how it was just, it was traumatic, it was shocking, and, and you know, nobody, I was, there was no preparation. Um, and so having to go through that deep kind of grief from that time into 2020, and to then try to just be moving through your days when you're experiencing that, and then to see pandemic and the world shuts down, honestly, I... I was still highly stressed out about it because at that time in March, you know, we... Shut down. Like I was literally two days away from flying down to Florida to Dunedin for spring training, and we had to. I had their the team doctor basically sent me a text. He's like, "Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen." <laughs> and I was like, "No, I've been waiting for sunshine and baseball." And then I was like, seeing all the stuff on CNN. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's probably not a good idea to try to risk it." So you know that was canceled. And then literally three days later all of Canada shut down and I was like oh good thing I was here <laughs> despite all that uncertainty I really just kind of leaned into you can only control what you can control I had to just be at home figure it out um, and and I knew I was like I've kind of survived to me the hardest thing that's ever happened in my life in, in, in seeing my mom die and experiencing that so like anything else I can absolutely get through But that was literally because I had just experienced that and been able to sort of take everything else I'd learned about how to be resilient. It was still a little stressful, but working in a physically demanding and sometimes emotionally demanding job, I leaned into the time off and I leaned into the rest. And that's where it really was triggered for me that I was like, you know what, maybe it's a good thing that we can all just take a minute here, a collective moment to just chill out and reassess everything that's going on. 2020 was a wild, wild year. But I do feel like everything I had experienced in my life really did prepare me to be able to pivot and adjust. We would all get through it. We would all be okay. We just had to, you know, have a little patience, figure things out, take a minute. Yeah.
0: Well, Momo, I just wanted to take a second to express our gratitude for sharing so deeply and, and being vulnerable with us. I think it speaks testaments to the strength and resiliency you've showed throughout your career and your continuous ability to reinvent yourself. Thank you. Now, well, let's skip on to something a little more lighthearted, and we'll come at you with some rapid fire questions. one Wonder. On
1: oh, ooh, that's so hard. A line. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They're both so good.
0: <laughs> Go to font when using Microsoft.
2: Ooh, who uses Microsoft? <laughs> um, but I'll say I'm probably like a Times New Roman womp. <laughs>
0: more of an aerial man myself <laughs> but pizza burritos pizza favorite shoe brand
2: uh i don't know if i'm allowed to say on this Fair podcast on. oh uh, i'll say actually chucks
0: i i wear i have a lot of converse summer or winter summer if you could only do one physical activity for the rest of your life what would it be and you can't pick running oh cycling what starts your hmm.
2: engine ooh probably sugar <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: you're not the only one. I'll keep it G-rated. If you,
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. If you had to pick one word to describe your outlook on 2021, what would it be? Oh, I know
2: this because this is my word for 2021 is transformation. <laughs>
0: I love it. Keep the wheels in motion and Woo, see where it exactly. takes you That's a big word. I just wanted to take this time to thank you so much for participating in this and being vulnerable with us. It's not an easy thing to do. And I can't really explain how much we uh, appreciate it. Thank
2: you all so much. Honestly, this was so fun. I hope some point in this year we can all see each other face to face. I'm a hugger. And I give great hugs, and I would love to just hug you all, because this was, this was really fun. Thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate it.
1: <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Sweat, Connect, and Grow. Keep it fun, my friends. Today's episode was recorded through Anchor, everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It was produced by Christopher Brackett, and Beth Kelly is our associate producer. We're changing our name next week, but that doesn't mean that if you like today's show, you shouldn't like, subscribe, leave a review, and find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now go. Remember that print is not dead. And be sure to take some time today to sweat, connect, and grow.